one. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Align with Lina. And today is August the 19th, 2019. And I am super excited to welcome you to this episode because I have a guest that is not only doing the work that is necessary to align with her own higher self, with her own authentic self, but she also helps others do that as well. So I want to let you know a little bit of what Align with Lina is all about in case you're new to this program. And it is a, a program that I was inspired to create a couple of years ago because I realized that I had gone through an incredible transformation and I had been coaching clients since 2007 and moving through their own process of awakening. And it became really clear that having examples really makes this journey a lot easier. And I realized that if I can awaken, anybody can. And my, my guest, Glenda, she has also come to the place of her own awakening. And she's an ordinary person, just like me, just like you. So I am certain that you will find some nuggets in this episode that will be inspiring to your own journey. But if you hear something that sounds a little too woo-woo or sounds like it doesn't make sense to you, let that go and just take the nuggets that resonate with you. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends. All right. So let me welcome Glenda. Thank you so much for doing this program with me today because I know you have so much life experience that is going to touch somebody. I, I'm absolutely certain about that. Welcome to Align with Lina, Glenda. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. I appreciate it. I'm excited. Well, I am thrilled that you're here. So as I start every program with every guest, let's start with what was your life like um, from the moment of, of, you know, from the beginning, from conception, from birth? What was your upbringing like? And take me all the way up until the moment that you begin to realize that there was something more to life than what you have been taught. So let's start with what you were taught that created the reality that you thought was all there was to life. Well, I remember like every night being woken up, either something touching me, something pulling at me. I would often end up pulled out of bed. My toys would move around at night and I would wake up screaming a lot. I had a lot of nightmares, a lot of night terrors, um, but we really didn't talk about it. Um, you know, as Southern Baptist, that was just, uh, you didn't you didn't talk about those things. You, if you had stuff like that, you must be sinning. Um, mm. You must be doing something bad to attract something like that. Um, so I didn't know until many years later that my mom sees spirit. My grandmother sees spirit. My cousins hear or, or feel spirit. So it's like it all runs in the family. But yet I had grown up with my mom doing a technique called talking the fire out of a burn. Um, my dad smoked, so I was very, I loved my dad. I wanted to see him, and I would throw myself at him. Well, his cigarette would end up either burning my forearm or my fingers or my hand, and my mom would heal the burn. And I just grew up with that that was normal. Um, you know, she learned it from her grandmother. And you grew up thinking that. Let me just be clear. You grew up uh, that what was normal was your mom healing, not your not your dad burning you. It wasn't a deliberate burning. No, it was my fault. Oh, okay. 
Oh, okay. I didn't give him a chance to put his cigarette down. Oh, I just I launched myself at him. And so it was that he was trying to catch me and okay. not concerned with where that cigarette was going to fall. Because it I, was, I, he'd rather catch me and risk burning me a little bit than me getting hurt trying to launch myself at him. I was just overcome with excitement. Oh, um, that's wonderful. So you him. had a, so you, you had a, a wonderful childhood or a, a relatively good childhood then from your perspective. Well, and uh, some, there was some good, there was an awful lot of bad. Dad was okay. alcoholic. Um, you know, he stopped drinking when I was three. Um, but I still think that, uh, you know, it was, there were still issues. There were okay. still inability to cope with things. And he was a World War II vet. Um, he was in Korea, two tours in Vietnam. So I think he had a lot of PTSD that he just did not talk about. That's interesting. Um, My dad was also an alcoholic and he was also in Korea. Um, and I too, I believe that there was a lot that we didn't talk about because right. when my dad would get drunk, my mom was basically stay quiet, don't bother dad. So mm -hmm. I grew up tiptoeing around my dad. So unlike you, as a little girl throwing yourself to dad, I was like, stay away from dad. So mm -hmm. what, um, what did, how did that affect you as a child? Um, having your dad go through experience that piece, PTSD, how did that show up for you? It was, my dad was, um, he was affectionate when I demanded it. Okay. Um, but he was older. He was 45 when I was born. Um, you know, his body was pretty wrecked from being in the military and being an alcoholic since he was like 13. Um, so he didn't have a lot of time for me. He, I, there was a lot of neglect. Um, there was a lot of feeling like I bothered my parents. Um, so I played a lot by myself. I spent a lot of time alone and, you know, outside alone in my room alone. Um, and so that, um, that just did not create that nurturing environment that I needed. I had stuff. I had plenty of food. I had plenty of toys. It was attention that lacked. Um, so how did that shape you then as a, as a young girl, as an, as a teenager, because this is shaping your reality about yeah. relationships. It, so speak more to that. Me, it made me latch on to people. Um, anybody would give me attention, um, they were suddenly my best friend. Okay. And so I would tell them all my problems. I would tell them all the weird stuff that happened to me and then they would, it would be too much TMI. Um, and then I would lose them as a friend because it was just too much. Um, I was too free with information, um, in that seeking comfort and validation from another human being. And, okay. um, it made me very codependent okay. for a good portion of my life. Yeah. And for me, it was somewhat similar. My dad left when I was 10 years old and mm -hmm. I, I experienced this, this incredible form of abandonment, which was really fascinating because we were not that close. However, yeah. you know, this is your dad. So the, yeah. the dynamics of the relationship and what, what I believed the relationship signified when he left I went into this this uh, fear of being abandoned. So kind of like you, I became, I latched onto people too. I became a people pleaser. Um, yes. But instead of sharing so much as you did, I was able to hold on to them because I just wanted to do whatever they wanted me to do for them. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So you, you needed somebody that. to listen to you and yeah. you, you overshared. So you really didn't learn some healthy boundaries and about relationships, which yeah, obviously I didn't learn those, did I. Right. I didn't learn those till I was in my late thirties. Um, okay. So yeah. tell me what happened then to you. You move out of your, your childhood and you become a, a teenager, you're a young adult. How did your, your upbringing, you say you were Southern Baptist, but yet your mom practiced a, a certain level of, of uh, intuitive healing, um, something that was not the norm taught by society. Okay. It froze. Sorry. The okay. Yeah, it froze. Um, no, no worries. With uh, with being Southern Baptist, it was always well, like Tarot is a sin. Tarot is bad. Um, all these other different things. If you do that, you're a witch, uh, and that's bad. Um, so I went through a lot of. Here I am. I am me, but yet I am bad. So you're so you were experiencing then um, connections to to the unseen. Oh, always. I always so, like growing up, I knew who was going to die. I knew who was calling before they called, um, okay. you know, so and I had experiences, like I said, with something unseen pulling me out of bed, holding me down. So I had ghostly experiences my whole life. So um, you so let me see if I understand this. Um, is I want to make sure that I'm clear about this. So you were having a, since you're a little girl, a connection to the unseen, and you are also being trained, taught by your mom about the world as it is, this, the physical mm-hmm. world, the more of a Southern Baptist way. But she's also doing some kind of healing that are not typical medical healings. Right. So you're really walking inside of these two worlds. Mm-hmm. Tell me specifically that. What was that like? You, because as a child, typically, if we don't have a conscious parent that helps us to deal with the unseen world, it can become very confusing, very destructive in some ways. Yeah, what was that terrifying. like for you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Terrifying. I was afraid of the dark until I was in my 30s. Um, and, and the only thing that, that stopped that was me going, okay, this is ridiculous. I'm 30 something years old. I'm a grown woman. I should not be afraid of the dark. And so I just said, okay, self, we are not going to be afraid of the dark anymore, period. I'm not doing this anymore. So I would force myself to take a minute, to take a breath when I went into a dark room and and desensitize myself to that because I was tired of it, of being at the mercy of, oh, I can't go in there. It's too dark. Okay, we're but, waking up in the middle of the night, and and if we have a power outage, I'm freaking out because it's dark. Yeah, I would imagine that would be very terrorizing. Yeah. Um, but who did you talk to about these things when you were a little girl or a young adult or you know teenager? Did you have nobody. somebody that helped? Nobody. Okay. Nobody. Okay. So then, what was it like for you to try and fit in the world of? being a Southern Baptist and the teachings that they teach, because those are contradictory bits of information. Yeah, I didn't fit in. I did. Take me, Um, take me into what you were learning about being a, a, as a Southern Baptist that was in conflict with what you were experiencing just as your natural self. Well, it was very, of course, very judgmental and the fear of, okay, if I do this, I'm going to help. Okay, so this is this is me. Um, 
it was very much hard for me going back and forth, back and forth of, am I sinning, but I'm helping people? Am I sinning? Am I going to hell for helping people? Um, and it was really difficult to shed that, that judgmental side. But even as a little girl, they would talk about hellfire and damnation and God is a wrathful God. God is a jealous God. And in my head, I'm going, no, he's not. No, he's not. God is love. How did you know that? How did you know that? Tell me about some of the experiences. I knew it. I just, in myself, in my heart, in my gut, nothing, it would go through my body as just complete faults. My body would just go, "Uh uh-uh. It would reject it completely. And I'm like, that's not the God I know. Mm. But as a kid, you're told, no, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. So you stuff it. And you you eventually will... They're adults. They must be right. Yeah. And I had something similar. I grew up Catholic and I was Mm -hmm. taught these things about me being a sinner and and I was, you know, hell and you can't do these things or you're going to you're going to go to hell. And so Mm -hmm. much about I think more of what I heard was about Jesus having died for my sins and. I had this connection, this feeling, this sensation that Jesus didn't want me to take it that way, that Jesus was, right. had, it's almost as if I knew that the crucifixion was Jesus saying, hey, it's, I'm dying to show you that there is no sin. Mm-hmm. You're, you're eternal. Right. So right. there was something inside of me that felt a truth that did not match up with what the adults that I trusted and respected right. were telling me. So yes. you had a similar feeling. Yes. So knowing that, how how do you reconcile that? Because for me, that confusion was, it, it, it wasn't until I started my spiritual journey that I faced how, how profoundly that confusion affected me and really created a lot of unnecessary suffering. Necessary yes. in that it helped me realize that I was suffering. Um, right. But how did you work through for all of those years with these two opposing ways of perceiving life that were in conflict. You know, I honestly think that I just kind of put them in a box. I just, you know, put them in each in their own little box and I stuffed them in the corner and, and I didn't deal with them. I just kind of walked in the middle. Um, okay. I just walked in the middle and when I needed to be in church and I needed to be around church people, I said the appropriate things. I acted the appropriate way. And when I wasn't with church people and I was, okay to be myself, then I was, I, I did that. Um, but it was always, they were always separate. Isn't that, um, uh, because I know now, you know, you work with, with people as, as do I. And mm-hmm. to me, that's what I refer to as we learned these conditioned behaviors that create a persona. So in essence, when I was around the Christian people, I would put on my Christian mask. And yes. when I'm around, you know, other people that are more open, I would put on my spiritual mask or I would put right. on my my well, I'm, you know, whatever atheist mask or whatever. I, I morphed to fit mm-hmm. in to yes. not be ostracized um, right. and would only let the mask down when I felt totally safe, which was rarely with another human being. Mm-hmm. So what what was that like for you knowing you were putting on these masks or were you even aware of it? I wasn't aware of it until I began. My oh, awakening. no, I knew I because I even in high school, I was like, you know what? I'm friends with every click. I fit uh-huh. in 
with every click. Even though I fit in, I don't really feel a part of them. I kind of feel like I'm a satellite just kind of orbiting. They accept me when I come around, but they don't ever really like include me, reach out to me, that kind of thing. And I knew or like I can fit in with anybody. I, I just knew it. I, I have that ability that I can I can fit in with the ultra conservatives and I can fit in with ultra liberals and everything in between. Um, I think it makes a good healer when we can connect to people on their level and we don't force them to meet us at our level because yeah. our level of experience is vastly different than theirs. Yeah. And it, that, just, it makes people comfortable to do that. That's a great point, uh, especially when we start talking about you um, as, as a healer. So here you are having these two ways of perceiving the world no, with a very clear knowing that your experience with others is very different depending on which side you're in. Mm -hmm. What what then, um, because that, that's a very, that's a heavy way to live where you, where you can't be yourself um, right. consistently because that's, that's not how we were created, especially mm -hmm. when the church that teaches us about our creator and, and the teachings of Jesus, which he's the master of love as, is mm -hmm. the way, you know, it pretty much everybody can say that about him. Yes. I think that's a consistent observation, no matter what belief or what religion he came to teach about love. Um, and yet we're, we are raised in these religions that instill more fear than they actually teach about love. Mm -hmm. um, what, what happened to you or what, at what age were you or what circumstances caused you to want to break out of that living in duality like that? Well, I, I lived that way until my, I had our son. Um, and I was 27 when I had our son. Um, things, I really feel like that is really where my journey began. Okay. Um, was having him because I almost died. Um, and I remember I could not lay down because I had so much fluid in my body. It would collect in my lungs and I would wake up suffocating. Oh, wow. I was horribly panicking inducing to wake up and not be able to breathe. Yeah. And so I would sleep at the kitchen table. Um, and I had lost so much blood with delivery that I should have had a blood transfusion, but didn't. And they sent me home way too early. I was gray when I went home. I was still very, very sick. And I remember I had just nursed my son and got him fed, changed his diaper, put him back in his bassinet. And I was going to sit down at the table and put my head on my pillow and try to catch a little sleep because that's literally the only way I could sleep and not feel like I was going to die. And I had just put my head on the pillow and I feel this presence. And that was very much feeling things very deeply when I was a kid. I, I knew that I needed to go get my mom and go be near her if something scared me. And if it didn't scare me when it came in my room, I just ignored it. So I had spirit activity all the time. And so this feeling, I was like, oh, okay, now what? And I sit up and I turn on and I have an angel standing in my kitchen and said, sweetheart, you can come home now if you want. You can oh, come wow. home. You've done enough. And I, I, I looked at him and I said, but who will raise my son? And he says, his father will. And I said, oh, hell no. 
I love my husband, but that would not, he was not ready to be a dad at that time. And that would have been so detrimental to both of them to lose me. I was like, no, I'm staying. And he's like, you will suffer. And I'm like, that's fine with me. I want to raise my son. So I stayed. The power um, of free will. Yeah, exactly. And, and I've, I've, I've had those exit points, as, as I call them, a few times where I totally could have just gone ahead and gone, okay, yeah, I'm going home. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let this go. But I stay. Yeah. I keep staying because um, so, I'm not done yet. Well, and that, that's a beautiful thing that you are even aware of that. A lot of people have those exit points, but they're not even aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've gone back through some of my memories and I, I feel that there were a couple exit points, but I wasn't aware at that time that yeah. that's what they were. But you, yeah. you definitely were. So that, that, is, yeah. that speaks to your connection, to your very open connection to source. So mm-hmm. then what happens? So you stay and you're told that you're going to be suffering. Um, yeah. Then I got sick. I got really sick. My son was 10 months old. My grandmother had just had a hip replacement in Florida. So my mom and I bundled the baby in the car. Um, you know, I wanted my grandmother to see her great grandbaby anyway. And it was an opportunity to go down and help care for her after her surgery. My son was 10 months old and I got mono. Mm -hmm. Um, I was incredibly sick from a good month, um, two weeks that I really remember like laying on the couch and sleeping and God bless him. He was a very good baby. As long as his toys were in front of him and he could see me, he didn't go anywhere. And when he was ready to eat, he'd come whack me in the head with his bottle and, and I'd go, okay, you're hungry. I'd drag myself up off the couch, feed him, diaper him and put him back in front of his toys and collapse on the couch. And we did this for two weeks. And my body just never recovered. So that sent me down the path of chronic fatigue, mystery symptoms, mystery illnesses, um, feeling sick all the time, hurting. And it took many years of going to doctor after doctor after doctor. What is wrong with me? Why don't I feel good? Because I was walking three miles a day with my son. And, and I would have walked more, but by the mile three, he was getting really impatient. And, okay, I'm tired of being in this stroller, woman. Let's go. Um, so three was all I could get out of him before he started fussing. And um, I, I could not even do a half a mile after I got sick. Oh, even goodness. six months after, I still would just be completely exhausted after any physical exercise. And so I spent 10 years being medicated. Um, going, uh, I had a rheumatologist say, well, you know, we've gone through every medicine we know to do. We don't know what's wrong with you. you. Don't make another appointment. We're not your doctors. We can't help you. Oh, wow. And so I finally found a different rheumatologist. She tied me on some different stuff and eventually led to having a microdose of chemotherapy. Now, before this, I had long hair. It was halfway down my back. I used to complain about it all the time. I lost all my hair. Between, oh, wow. Yeah. I, I saw her um, a month later. I told her I had quarter-sized bald patches on my head. And she said, well, that's normal to lose some hair with this, this low dose of chemotherapy. And by another three months in, I go, I'm totally bald. 
I'm sick, sick, sick all the time. And it's because my liver could not metabolize and process the chemo. So it stored it. Oh. I eventually built up to full therapeutic chemotherapy levels as if they were treating cancer. Okay. Not trying to get my immune system to calm down, to give me some relief. Because I was diagnosed with lupus, rheumatoid, and a couple of other different uh, autoimmune. And at that point, you know, with my heart hurting, and she says, oh, my God, don't take another pill. You're going to die. Because it really did. It started going toxic to my heart. And it scared me. And I said, Lord, there has got to be another way. There has got to be something else. And so I was in a, a metaphysical bookstore, and it was literally one of those cases that a book fell off the shelf. <laughs> and I looked down, and I went, huh, it was talking about being an empath. And I was like, well, I've never heard that word before. What is that? And it was saying being sensitive to everything and, and like food, medication. I was like, oh, this, all the little symptoms. I was like, oh, this sounds like me. Oh, this sounds like me. And it was like dietary change. Um, so I was like, okay, went off all sugar, went off all processed foods, no dairy, no soy, no corn. With Literally within three days of going cold turkey, I had no more pain. I felt better. And so I was like, okay, well, what is this is all about? This book is talking about energy and how energy moves. And then I realized that, oh, my mom's thing with healing burns that, that I had attempted to teach my kids. I was like, well, that's energy. That's moving a huge concentration of destructive energy out of the body and replacing it with good, soothing energy. I said, so if I can do that, why can't I heal anything? That, that's, uh, hold on a second, because before we go any further, I want to ask you, while you were going through all of that, um, that physical discomfort and you're seeing Western uh, doctors, so you're, you're under the Western medicine model. Yes of uh, pharmaceuticals and, and chemo and, and that stuff. Yeah. But, but you already knew that you had a connection to source. So what had happened to your connection to the unseen while you're in the midst of all of all this physicality? I want to know what was going on internally for you um, before we, we go to what happened after I, that. I honestly feel that getting sick uh, I lost my connection. Okay. I couldn't feel yeah. the way I did. Um, the knowing, it just kind of disappeared. Yeah. And so I didn't have that guidance to go seek anything outside of Western med meds because that's how I grew up. I grew up very sick. Yeah. Always had ear infections, bladder infections, kidney infections. I was always back and forth to the doctor. Strep throat, sinus infections. So... A lot of antibiotics when I was growing up. Um, so, so I was just used to, if you have a problem, you get a pill. Yeah, uh, totally. Me too. That's how I grew up. Um, yeah. May I share with you what, uh, I, I'm a student of A Course in Miracles and have been a teacher of it now for quite a while. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with that book? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The, the teachings, and, and there are teachings from Jesus because that's, mm -hmm. that's who channeled that information. Um, yes. And one of the things that I have become really clear about that the illness is one of the reasons we lose it's most people will easily lose their connection to, to source to guidance is because that aspect of ourselves, that human self, the egoic self creates so much 
um, intensity in the pain and the discomfort that it literally pulls our attraction, our attention, maybe it's a better word, our focus mm -hmm. to the body and the ailments that we, we, it's not easy to maintain our connection to the divine. So right. it requires an incredible amount of vigilance to be able to stay connected to our truth, to source, to guidance, to the healing source yeah. while we are sick. And it is more recent people going through their awakenings that I'm watching more examples of people deliberately through their illness, choosing to maintain their connection. But at yeah. that time, the illness was too intense and your connection to to guidance was not quite there i mean right. you say well, I, mean, I had i had a i had a baby and my husband traveled monday through friday um so i was i really felt isolated i was in charlotte of you know four and a half hours away from my parents and my friends um so i was very much alone um so the and, world became super real and yeah. and not only as your your primary reality, but it took it, it, you were isolated, so it took your attention. All right, mm -hmm. so then, um, so that makes perfect sense that you were not tapping into that source that you had as a child. Mm -hmm. um, so you find that book and you begin to learn about what an empath is, and I had no clue what that was until again my own journey. It's mm -hmm. like there are all these things that you 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 cannot. No, and you cannot fully understand until you enter this journey. So you cross the line from being uh, primarily focused on the three-dimensional world. And now this this book begins to activate your remembering of mm. your connection. So then what happens? And how old were you when you began to, to or when you found that book? I'm guessing it was about 38. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm, 40, I'm 46 now. Um, so that was about, uh, you know, I was about 38, um, give or take. Yeah. And it, it brought my awareness to, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> this is, there's nothing, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with me. It is energy. It is trauma. It is, it is oversensitive to everything. And so there's things I can do because I'm extremely sensitive. There are things I can do to help myself not feel so bad. And yeah. that was like, oh my God, wow, it was very liberating and, and, and very awe-inspiring. And then it, it then it hit the brakes of, oh, but what if this is a sin? <laughs> <laughs> what if it's a sin? And because going into that kind of bookstore, I felt like, like you know, looking around, like who's watching me? You know, is there just gonna be somebody who's gonna tell on me that I'm going into someplace like this? Um, but I knew that after medical, modern medical failed me the yeah. way it did because I lost all of that. I mean, this is eight years. I haven't, I haven't taken any meds in eight years except the occasional antibiotic because if sometimes, you know, you just got to do what you got to do to get something taken care of. Um, and I'm very much a believer that there is hand in hand that modern medicine and, and, and the mystical side, they can work together. Absolutely. Um, and let me but, let me insert this in here because that's a really good point because we're mm -hmm. with with your story where we're making a, a I hope that we are stressing something that's really important that we understand that we do have power over our body and mm -hmm. we're going to talk more about that but at the same time 
I also respect that while we're believing that external uh, medicine, that the, the world of the physical has things for us that we have to honor that we receive yeah. that because we don't want to feel fear that we're receiving something from the, the physical world when we know right. that our healing comes really from the non-physical world. Right. Um, so I'm glad that we're making that distinction here. Use both until you are totally comfortable that you don't need to have that 3D medication. Right. However, God is in everything we see. So everything that we're taking, if you accept it as, as the energy of love, the energy of God, it will work for you. Right, right. Um, all right. So take us back so, to what you were saying. You know, and, and it happened that, I, okay, so I get this book and I'm like, I, I devoured the book in an afternoon. I just, and I'm like, oh, supplements. Oh, because <laughs> it did have a recommendation for supplements that were common in for empaths that we need these kinds of supplements. And I, I was like, okay. So, but it really got me thinking energy and it dawned on me that the healing that the burns is just, it's healing period. It's just concentrated healing. And then my son got a, uh, he got a, a pinched nerve in his neck and it was, he couldn't turn his head. And so I was like, okay, well, let me try this. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to treat this as if it's a burn. And it took me about 10 to 20 minutes before he was better. But then he was like, look, mom, I can move my head. And he's like, that was amazing. Well, I was in bed for three days. I was depleted completely with that one action. And it was shocking. I was like, Oh, my God, I did something really beautiful and really good. But yet here I am suffering for it. So again, God, come on, if I'm supposed to do this, because it, it thrilled me. I mean, it sparked something inside of me to see my son suffer. And then I was able to help him fix it with just putting my hands on it. Yeah. That was a miracle to me. It was absolutely life changing. It opened my eyes that I'm more than I thought I was. Yes, As that's so beautiful. If I can do this, I want to do it for other people. I mean, that was just an instant. And then I wake up the next day and I'm like, oh, I felt like I was hit by a truck. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute, God. We got to have a little conversation here because if you expect me to do this every day, we need to fix that because I, I, I can't be in the bed for three, four days for every person I help. Yeah. And so you that to led learn, me to raise You had to learn to balance. You had to learn yes. to balance. So. Yes, but that oddly led me to my first Reiki class that, you know, learning to feel where that energy was coming from and to feel that, oh, that's my energy I'm using. Okay, stop that because that depletes. Mm -hmm. Let's pull it from source. Let's pull it from the earth. Let's, let's, you know, pull it where we're supposed to pull it from. And so I never had that problem again. Yeah, um, but let, let's talk about this because this is also so important. Um, I know that we're sharing experiences here, but we're also teaching as we go. Um, we, we have to become really clear about what is happening. And you are just getting started, getting comfortable feeling these things. And, and you're basically using a power that you weren't trained into and that you weren't aware of how to use it. Right. And right. this is, it, it's crucial that all of us uh, learn 
how to use energy, learn how to work with energy, learn how to be used by energy. And there is a surrendering process. There is a, a partnership that we have to learn because it is the power that creates universes and, and we have to learn how to use it benevolently and, and, and consciously. So share about your Reiki training and tell me what did you discover that then allowed you to be able to use it in a way that you were not depleted? Well, it, it allowed me to feel where it was coming from in the correct way, in the pure way, that it was no longer me giving of my own essence because that will heal. It's energy and it will heal. But me using my energy and my essence to heal is limiting and it actually can damage me because I don't have enough life force for my own needs at that point. So it was very instantaneous. The second that attunement hit and I felt my palms turn on, I was like, wow, okay. So this is what this is supposed to feel like. It was amazing. I absolutely loved it. I was like, okay, we're on. And then, you know, again, hit the brakes. What if this is a sin? (laughs) Because then with the Reiki, the medium ability that had always been there, because I'd always had dead people around, the medium ability came popping to the surface. Um, the the psychic sight, the hearing, all of that just kind of that blew the lid off everything. And I was like, whoa, okay, so what did I just really screw myself up? Did I <laughs> sin? And I will never, ever, ever forget that I'm I had the experience and it sounds nuts. But it happened. I was awake. I pinched myself. I could. I was laying. I was in bed, and I felt the presence come into the room. Now I'm. I was used to that. I had been happening to me since I was a kid. Um, as long as I could remember, I could tell when a, a spirit walked into the room. And I'm like, oh, I just want a good night's sleep. What do you want? And I feel somebody sit on the end of my bed, and I could hear my husband snoring, so I knew I was awake. And I kind of peek my eye and I look and there is this being in all white. And I'm like, oh, no, really? So I sit up thinking that I'm going to get told by Jesus to stop what I'm doing. Because that's who was sitting at the end of my bed. And there was a glow about him that was just incredible. And I sat up and I just stared. And I'm like, in my head, I'm going, is, am I hallucinating? This is the best dream ever. Like, gosh, I really need to figure out what I ate before I went to bed so I can have this experience <laughs> again. Because the energy just emanating from him was just beautiful. And I, I reached over and to, to see, you know, am I really seeing what I'm seeing? I went straight, I went to touch him. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, well, I, I wasn't invited to touch, so I pulled my hand back. And then I went, but I want to touch. And so it was just kind of this moment of, <laughs> and he's like, go ahead. So I touched. And he was warm and it was like flesh and blood. And I'm like, oh, am I in trouble? That was the first thing I said. I said, am I in trouble? And he goes, he goes, no, sweetheart, no. He says, we hear you. You, God has heard you wrestling with your purpose. And I'm here because nobody else would convince you but me that this is okay that what you are doing is God's plan. What you are doing, if you didn't do 
and use your gifts the way you've been told to use them and shown how to use them, that would be a sin against God. That would make God angry and upset God. God is so proud of you. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You're helping with suffering. You're going to help people who suffer greatly, and you're going to help them not suffer through your gifts. So that that is so beautiful and, and so... Um Oh, it's just so beautiful because I too had encounters with Jesus and I couldn't really tell my, uh, my Southern Christian friends about that because the, the few yeah. that I did were just like, who do, who do you think you are? Exactly. Um, and that's what I thought I will. Who, who, him, who am I to have a visit from Jesus? Yes, yes. Where he's so physically present that I could touch. His, I touched his leg. Yeah. But, but we are met where we are. And while yeah. you had those fears of sin and being punished, you were being told, um, you know, sin was being used in a different way. Instead of you're going to be punished for what you knew, it's 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 like a shame not to use those gifts that, yes. that are being given to you. Yes. Um, because the, the God that I've come to know, there is no sin. There is no punishment. There is not even disappointment on God's um, from God's perspective, because if we don't if we don't allow the gifts to come through us, they're going to come through somebody else that does allow them. But take me from that, 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 that moment is a moment of transcendence. We transcend our limited knowing and we mm. get expanded to a whole new realm of what is true now. Yes. What have you realized since then that is what is happening on a global level? So let's move out of your life and my life and let's go to the global stage. What do you believe that is happening? Because part of doing these, these conversations align with Lina, so many of us, my guest that I'm going to have next week, um, uh, it, it's going to be India Lee. She receives guidance and she is sharing guidance all the time. And our mm -hmm. conversation next week is about what's happening at the global level mm -hmm. because there are these are not isolated instances. So no. what do you believe is happening with you being connected with Jesus, me being connected with Jesus, other people being connected with angels, with with it doesn't matter who what we call what we're connecting right. with, but we're connecting to greater to the higher consciousness, to right. the source of all that is. Yeah. How do you think that that's affecting the world? I believe that we are the, the front runners. We are the way showers. We're the ones waking up first because we, we have that within us. We have that strength because it takes a lot of strength of character to wake up and keep pushing forward, keep every day doing what you know you've got to do instead of going back and hiding and isolating and, oh, running, you know, no, I don't want to do this. No, I don't want to go do that reading for that person because I just, I, what if somebody thinks I'm weird? What if someone knows I do this? And I think we're shifting on a global scale to more awareness. And with awareness comes, you see the evil around you. You see the things that you've allowed to block you. You see the, the defects within yourself, um, the wounding and the, the defect I consider, that's a wound. That, that's not something wrong with us. That's just something that happened to us that needs to be liberated and healed out of us. And so I think we are going on a global consciousness. We are waking up to there is more than what we've been told. We, there's more than just us. And there's plenty that are things that are outside of us. 
Um, And there's unity that we are all connected on a soul level. We're not just individuals. And I think that is what's happening. Yeah, exactly. I so agree with that because it, it's what I'm experiencing and it's it's what so many are experiencing mm-hmm. that that evil that you're talking about. I've come to understand that that is nothing more than as as is so clearly taught in A Course in Miracles, which gave me the languaging to really understand it. After mm-hmm. I had my encounter um, with Jesus, with God, it made it really clear for me that that evil that we're experiencing is really our disconnection from the source of goodness. And we are experiencing the result of basically being an immature child saying, I'm going to do it all by myself. God, I've got this, you know, turn our back on love. So when you turn your back on love, you experience fear. And from that fear, we go on and do pretty mean things to one another. I mean, The, the selfishness that gets activated when you feel fear because now it's all about self-protection and it's all about oh, yeah. me. Um, right. That is what we're waking up to. And in my words, that's what we're waking up to is that the dysfunction, mm-hmm. the suffering in the world, we've created it because we've turned our back on source, God, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. How, is that how, is that what you're experiencing? Absolutely. And, okay. um, a deeper connection with God, source, spirit, whatever you call it. Because it, it seems that the more you connect, the more you, you serve. Because it's a, I'm a servant. Yeah, me too. I, I'm here to serve. I'm here to liberate. I'm here. I've been in the muck and the mire and the depth of, depth of despair myself. And so now I've crawled out of that pit and I've cleaned myself off. So I can radiate my light so I can reach back and help others out of their pit of despair and I believe them that that's not the only thing. That's not the only way you have to be. And I believe that that's what you were talking about. Those of us who are the way showers, um, the front runners, obviously there's been many people for thousands of years who have been teaching and showing, Mm -hmm. but they were few in numbers. What is happening is, is as I'm receiving guidance is that it is in mass. Now there's too many, the internet has connected us, the, the ability through social media, all of those things have been set in motion, preparing for this mass connectivity that is allowing us to talk about what we're talking about right here. Right. We got trained, educated into fearing God, into fearing evil, into fearing um, things by people who were afraid themselves. And right. we have to and we, we experience the the results of fear. You felt mm-hmm. it in your body through physical illness. I felt it um, emotionally for me through this disconnect. There was something missing in my life. I didn't have illnesses, right. but I right. had a. I had a sick mind with beliefs that said that I wasn't good enough, that I had to become a people pleaser to get people to like me. Yeah, I had the same thing. Um, I went through multiple different depression meds, anti-anxiety meds. You know, I tried everything because I was miserable all the time. I would cry every day. Why am I being punished? Why is life so hard? Why does all this stuff happen to me? 
I was very much in that victim consciousness that I'm not experiencing life. It's happening to me and I have no control. Yes. And that, that question, why am I being punished is, is one of those powerful questions because the, why I'm being punished can really activate our, our victim sense of self and really get that ego going into, Oh my God, I'm being punished because there's something wrong with me. And what I find is the people that are supposed to wake up are saying, why am I being punished and going into the places where we're getting answers? We are, we're being guided and led like to you, to that book, to me, I too was led to books, to teachings, to courses, to workshops, to people that were outside of the realm of my Christian thinking, totally completely outside of the realm, which was scary, very, very scary because I really thought I was betraying my grandmother who taught me so much about Catholicism and, and my upbringing. So I had to break through those fears of betraying people and come to the place that I knew I was asking that question. Why am I, why am I suffering so much Mm -hmm. to search for the answer, not to use it as a banner of victimhood. And that to me is where I see the big difference between people who wake up and people who stay inside of that kind of curious, they want to know more, but that fear of looking at um, looking at yourself, looking within is, is so, so powerful and it requires an incredible amount of determination. So, so congratulations for your determination to move through that because clearly you feel this presence, you feel this truth and you know, you have to do what you do, which I, I have to do what I do. Um, sure, I could do something else and make a ton more money. You know, I, I know mm-hmm. how to do things in the world, but I cannot do things um, anymore for personal gratification to my my human self. I have to do it right. for my soul. My soul has to be the what I feed, not my ego. Right. So tell me, how are you helping people now? What What is it that you do that is in service to others after your transformation and your awakening? Well, I, I have an office in Atlanta. Um, I also have a, a lot of clients around the world, so I do remote sessions. It's not It doesn't have to be in person. Um, but I, I take people who are stuck in their misery, and I reconnect them with self. I reconnect them and, and show them, look, this is your higher guidance. This has always been your higher guidance. You just didn't understand it. You can hear it. But it's also giving them tools to, okay, you feel this way, do this technique, and you'll feel better. Yeah. And it's oftentimes it's instant. Um, and if you feel this way, this is what that's linked to. Look at that aspect of your childhood and go there. It's, it's ending suffering. That is my passion is to reconnect people with themselves and show them they don't have to suffer, that it's, suffering is a choice. And that we can choose, yes, it's hard, and yes, it can be very messy when you start your healing process because you're different from one day to the next. Um, Sometimes you can be different from one minute to the next, and you feel like you are on Toad's wild ride, and you don't know what's at the end of that tunnel. 
and that that can be very scary but that's why I feel like I help people guide them through that tunnel that okay come on you got this you're doing great look at what you're doing it's you're doing awesome keep going come on but I also have a wonderful gift with I think it really comes from that being able to heal burns is I can take someone in extreme physical pain and help them not be in physical pain anymore. Well, that's um, because you went through that. So mm -hmm. you, I, I can't do that. Um, you know, if somebody stops having physical pain, which I've heard that from some of my clients, it's not because that's what I'm working on because I haven't experienced that. Um, mm -hmm. But my truth, my knowingness that they are, that wholeness is what they are, obviously is what's right. the powerful thing but you you have experienced things that you help others with and yes. that's one of the things that is so beautiful about those of us who are truly uh, waking up to the point that we're putting our lives in service to the greater good of all is that we are being used to show what we went through and that's why people who go through cancer and become way showers help people you know, with cancer, right, right. people with mental illness, people with children right. that have certain things or people who've experienced a death of, of a, a loved one, um, then we begin to help others walk through that process. Right. But all of it has one thing in common, and it's that we are helping people connect with the more of who we are that gets lost when we think that this is all there is, that right. this humanness is all there is. Right. How do you explain that to your clients once they're ready to understand kind of the big picture? Well, I will tell you that most people that come to me are ready. Oh, yeah. um, I, I don't get a lot of people. I've had maybe one or two in, in the years that I've been doing this that because um, I totally I jumped all in. I quit corporate America and I went got an office. Me um, too. <laughs> I opened up the center right away. Yeah. yeah. And I've I've had um my current office, I'm going on my fourth year, but I've I've been doing this um full time like six, seven years now. Um played around with it for a year before that until God was just finally like, Okay, you know that job you keep clinging to? You don't have it anymore. Now what you gonna do? <laughs> so it was I had to get on my path. Um but uh, I just, um, I don't know, it's so rewarding, so fulfilling, and I can't, when I can't, when I'm not doing it, when I take a break, um, I miss it, and yeah. I'm eager to get back to it. I, I definitely embrace the breaks that I give myself now versus beat myself up for taking a break. Um, but my favorite thing with what I do is seeing someone who comes in it's completely broken that I deal with a lot of addicts. I deal with a lot of people that have had severe traumas, a lot of neglect, narcissistic parents, um, and say to them, you're not crazy. You're not alone. And there's, you did nothing wrong. You didn't do anything to deserve this. So let's, let's help you feel better. So giving them that peace of knowing, okay, so I'm, I am okay. I, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not a worthless piece of crap that everybody tells me I am. 
and seeing that light turn on their eyes. Um, I get a lot of people that are there that are really suicidal that are there. They're done. And, and that is a it's not a pressure on me necessarily. It, it, it's always in the back of my mind of what if I fail them? That's me, not them. Um, but when you've got someone that you know is going through that, you know, there's that white knuckling it and praying for them while you're working with them until they get it. And when they get it, their eyes are brighter. They come in with a genuine smile of, hey, you know, I slept through the night for the first time in 10 years. Hey, I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't want to pick up that bottle of vodka today because of the session we had yesterday. Yeah. Um, it, seeing the light go off, that is, that is just everything. Watching them go, aha, yeah. I see, I get it. Yeah. I want to um, let people know how they can find you. Will you go ahead and tell people your website name and I'm going to um, put it up here? Sure, it's glendaemory.com, um, all one word. Yep, Glen, G-L-E-N-D-A-E-M-O-R-Y at uh, gmail.com is also my email. It's my website. It's everywhere. If you Google me, you'll find me. Um, uh-huh. But I do have an office in the Atlanta area. I will travel to other places. Um, I, I go everywhere um, if I needed. Yeah. I go, I and do a lot of... And you do remote work. I so. do remote, yeah. And and I, I do more than just the healing. I also work with people who have severe entity involvement, mm-hmm. um, whether you call that an exorcism or not. I just call it an, an extraction. Yeah. Um, I get them clear of the entity involvement, and I teach them how not to get it again. Yeah, so I mean, we're, we're dealing with, with energy and yeah. so- so much of what we did not know and understand until we begin right. this journey, we are right. not even aware of that more powerful, well, where all the power is, which is mm-hmm. in, the, in, in the unseen world. Let me just go back to something that you said that was so beautiful. And I want to uh, make sure that we end the conversation on this. When you were talking about uh, being in service to your clients and seeing that light go off in their eyes and you you know that they had that aha moment. Um, that aha moment is, to me, became so clear what it was when I experienced it. And, and it takes many, many of those aha moments to really develop an awareness that it's sustainable and it's coming from me and not something that the teacher, the healer, the book, the, the session, the breath work, yeah. the chanting gave to me. I didn't realize that it was mine until many, 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 many of those sessions. Mm-hmm. But that moment, that aha moment, that light in the eyes moment, that is a, a recognition, a remembering of the soul that we are, the love that we are, the essence that is inside of us. And when you mm-hmm. serve as somebody who can say there's nothing wrong with you, you know, you it's not your fault that you got indoctrinated to believe that you're you're worthless. Um, that is what is going to ultimately save this this planet, save, mm-hmm. save well, the planet is is beyond our, our, it's in good hands, you know, it's in God's hands, but our ability to experience heaven on earth 
is really up to us to begin to remember that we are each a piece of that divine source. Well, and happiness is a choice. Happiness and joy is a choice. Absolutely. I still have, even though I don't medicate, I manage with energy work, food, um, herbs, essential oils. I manage my conditions that way naturally. Um, but I still have flare-ups occasionally that I have, I have done too much work. I have stressed my body out too much. Um, and the body just says, no, no. And so in those moments, I have to go back. I have to go back and I have to really practice what I preach. Yeah. I have to, what would I tell my student? What would I tell my client in this situation? And I get a lot of them that say, because I, I give tools. I give homework. I'm not just to come see me, get you out the door, and I, I don't talk to you again. No, I give you things to teach you about how to manage yourself. Absolutely. And they're like, you know, I have some people that are like, Oh, I was going to schedule a session, but then I just thought, you know, well, what would Glenda tell me to do? I did it and it worked. I was like, awesome. That's yeah. the point. So I don't want rewarding. you to need me. Yeah. yeah. I don't want you to need me forever. That's because mm-hmm. you're just trading one, one addiction for another. For you're another. just trading one path for another, but you're still using a Band-Aid. Exactly. I want to educate and empower and, and, and help support them until they can support themselves. I love hearing that from you. And we, we are here. We've reached the top of the hour here. Um, okay. Oh, excuse me. I could feel oh, that, that, um, that sneeze coming. I thought it was yeah. going to hold on until we were done, but it wanted to express itself now. But thank you so much for being the beautiful, bright light that you are. And I, I you. know when we first connected, um, even though we've been traveling in the same circles for a couple of years, and but we, we just recently connected and had our first conversation not too long ago, I could feel the gentleness in your presence, the love, and you know, with, with what you just said, just totally, completely, not that I need a validation, but it just validated it, um, that you are here to help others, uh, be their own healers. And yes, if I have people who have to keep coming to me at some point, it's like, you're not honoring the magnificence that is already within you. You've got to connect with that source. It is all about accepting the truth of who we are. That's what this whole right. program is about. We have that wholeness, that wellness, that that fountain of truth inside of us, God within, soul, spirit, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Our work is to become self-aware enough that then we align with that and accept that that goodness is inside of us. Yes. But it's a it's a long journey for many because to accept our wholeness and our goodness in our own our own worth, we have to go through all of the beliefs that had us think that we were not. Mm-hmm. And that's where the fear kicks in. That's where it the work so happens. worth it. Oh, it is so worth it. worth it. Yes. I don't have the anxiety, depression, the stress. Yes, I'm human. I go through stuff. But stuff that would affect me for months yeah. is just a blip in my day. Yeah. And I'm at peace. I am totally. happy all the time. It's well, totally I, I celebrate that for you. I understand it because like you, I have egoic thoughts that, that move through my mind. I just don't believe what I don't, what I know is now not true just because I right. think it doesn't mean it's true. Right. Um, and that, that freedom to choose what it is that I'm aligning to is so, so powerful. But 
thank you again for being here. And then to our audience, I want to let you know that next week I've got um, India Lee coming back for a second um, interview because we had so much to talk about. And, and next week we're going to focus on knowing this truth. How do we be in the world but not of it? Because we have to learn how how to then assimilate back into the world because in many ways the spiritual journey we kind of pull back and do a lot of the work by ourselves in many ways or we isolate in communities that can support and love us and then we've got to re-enter and the re-entry part can be very challenging but it also is where we get to then bring that light that we have turned on and shine it in the world so that's gonna be a really fun conversation so glenda if you will do me a favor and share your last bit of wisdom with our audience and then we will say goodbye just keep going if it gets hard then you're doing it right <laughs> just keep going even if it's baby steps at least you're moving yeah and there is peace and joy on the other side of all of that you've got to go through to heal it's worth every second of it. Ah, what beautiful words every of wisdom. Second. Thank you so much, Glenda. Thank you all for joining yes, us. And remember, we really are magnificent. Um, that's how we yeah. are created. So we will see yeah. you next week. Thank right. you, Glenda. Tell India hi for me. Will do. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.